Welcome everyone to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome everyone, Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we have a real treat for you. We're gonna to talk to Ashley Armstrong, who's an expert in not one, but two areas. One is producing some of the healthiest food in the United States. And the second is understanding how your body uses it and how to select the right types of food to optimize your biology. And that of course is her implementation of the Ray P principle. So I think we're gonna start there because it it in, it intimately, in, uh, um, integrates into her passion for producing food, uh, not, not, not vegetable food, but animal food. So welcome and thank you for joining us, Ashley. Thank you, Dr. Mercola, so much for having me on today. I, these are probably my two favorite topics, and I am just so excited to talk about why they are intimately connected. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be great. So as I said, I think we think we should start with your implementation of Ray Peace principles, because as I understand, I've listened to a number of your interviews and uh, actually have contact connected with you a year or two ago, and you were kind enough to share your recipe for my chickens, which I've been sharing with many other people, but we're going to go into that later. So I know that you have previous experience with low carb diets and keto and maybe even carnivore, I don't recall, but you failed with those. I mean, it helped somewhat, but then ultimately you had health problems. So why don't you quickly guide us through that process and what catalyzed your path towards adopting the principles from Ray Pete that he developed, who, I don't know if we connected, but I've since learned that he, he was the top health educator in, in the, the U.S. in the 20th, 20th century. He was number one. So you, you, you found him long before, actually I found him 30 years ago, but I chose to reject him because of his speech imp impediments. <laughs> and I didn't think he was accurate, but he turned out he was a genius. So uh, why don't you share us, with us your journey? Yeah, so kind of like a brief timeline. Growing up, I was super active as an athlete and was kind of in that position of always under eating for what the energy requirements for my body. And I was really brainwashed by the American food pyramid at that time, you know, whole grains only, animal food products are bad, vegetables and vegetable oils are good. And so that was kind of like my adolescent years, which is really unfortunate because that's a very important time in your life. And as a result, I kind of had symptoms show up in my early 20s. And at the time, I really thought it was like a severe autoimmune condition. But turns out, I think I was just super hypothyroid. And um that kind of catalyzed having those symptoms so early on in my life. I kind of just was like, I need to take control of my health. And that led me down to the, you know, fasting and then keto. And then that inevitably becomes carnivore because at a certain point, you know, you, you're not going low enough in carbs. And so that <laughs> definitely improved. It led to like improved symptoms, but learning what I know now, I think that that was kind of more symptom suppression. Mm -hmm. And after two years of being pretty low carb, finding Dr. Ray Pete, he honestly saved my life. And I owe so much to that man. Um, I'm forever grateful for him. 
And the biggest wake up for me, Dr. Mercola, was measuring my body temperature. So I was mm. on carnivore and I measured my body temperature and I was 96.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Classic. And that was what? Classic. That was a huge wake up. I was like, wow, you know, no wonder my hair is thinning. No wonder my complexion is so pale. No wonder I'm not sleeping through the night. And there was just a number of red flags that that body temperature measurement just woke me up. It's what I needed to be like, I'm not thriving. I'm just surviving. So mm -hmm. that's kind of a summary of where I've been and mm -hmm. now implementing um, Dr. Pete's principles for over three years now. I just have more energy in life than I think I've ever had, even as like a teenager. And it's just amazing to see how being not restrictive with your food, just being strategic with macros, types of mm -hmm. food, how powerful that can be for your energy production. And yeah, that's where I am today. Well, great. I just want to insert here and probably you are not aware of this. Most people aren't. I certainly wasn't until recently, but you have radically improved your energy production. That is a powerful, powerful point. And much more so than almost anyone realizes because that, when you have that increased energy, that will absolutely unequivocally raise your consciousness level. Mm -hmm. No question about it. Indisputable. Indisputable. So that's why this is so important. It's not just important to prevent, to uh, treat, prevent an optimal uh, disease, but it's also vital for improving consciousness level, which may be even more important. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, what, what I do day to day, I would not have been able to do when I was low carb. I would mm -hmm. not have been able to do prior. Um, yeah. So I, I totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah, and the, just briefly summarize, and you could add on this, and then we'll, I, want to, I want to get the connection on how the, the timeline with respect to that uh, implementation and the development of your food processes, so, because it was part of it was LA, and I don't know the timing of that, but I want to, want to just summarize some of the basic principles, because we know low carb isn't good, high fat, because that shut down your energy production, ultimately impairing thyroid function, which is really, really crucial for energy production. If your thyroid doesn't work, you, you're, you, you're down the creek without a paddle. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the reasons it does is it increases the stress hormones, uh, cortisol, glucagon, and adrenaline. Uh, but there's other reasons too. Uh, but because one of the other big ones is high LA, which is a big focus of what we're going to talk about, linoleic acid, omega-6 fats. Uh, and that is every bit as pernicious as low carb, maybe, maybe in some ways worse. That's why the low carb tends to help because it typically, if implemented properly, especially in carnivore, it's going to lower LA ingestion radically. Yeah. Radically. Yeah. So, so that's a kind of a summary of an overview, but give us your understanding of that and walk us through it because you're fairly knowledgeable as an advocate of Ray Pete's work. So you understand us at a higher level than most. I think the best way to kind of understand it is the body is a system and mm -hmm. it has a certain amount of energy mm -hmm. and it has a number of processes that it can turn on or turn off with that energy source. The more energy you have in that pool, the more functions the body can turn on. But the lower amount of energy you have in that pool, your body has to be selective with what functions it turns on and what functions it down regulates. And our Biology is designed to promote survival. So it's going to keep your heart rate going. It's going to ensure that you're alive. It's going to prioritize those things. 
things that aren't necessarily vital for survival here and now is, you know, sex hormone production, being able to reproduce, have good digestion, sleep through the night, have high cognitive thinking, right? Those are those are functions that aren't necessary for you to survive right now, but when you increase the amount of energy that you're producing, your body can then expend energy on those functions. So it can just turn more functions on and your body is just functioning better as a system as a whole. So I think that's kind of the simplest way to put it and a very like. easy way to assess how much energy your body is putting into this pool is your body temperature and pulse measurement. And it's not just your waking temperature because high stress hormones can keep that waking body temperature elevated. You have to do three measurements throughout the day. You gotta do your waking temperature, 30 to 40 minutes after breakfast. And then I like to do midday and you want to see that temperature rise. For many mm -hmm. people who are on low carb or who are living on stress hormones, they're gonna have potentially high waking body temperature, but after breakfast, that temperature may drop. And that's because mm -hmm. the food that you're consuming is lowering your stress hormones. And then your actual body temperature is then better exposed. So we wanna see that body temperature rise. And I love how both of us are so passionate about linoleic acid. As human linoleic acid consumption has gone up, human body temperature has gone down. So the types of fats that we are consuming in our diet is impacting energy production in a negative way. And it's shown with obesity rates out the roof. It's shown with the decline in our body temperature. It's shown with the decline in our healthy life expectancy, which is bizarre as a first world country. So there's just so many profound effects, but I think when we just think of it as energy production, the more energy we can give our body to be able to perform functions, the better it's gonna function. And I asked this question for someone who is really adamant about fasting. I say, if you've got two bodies, one body that's fasted and the other body that is fed nourishing mm -hmm. food, which body is going to thrive and function better? Like it's obvious. Whereas if you add a third person, maybe that person is fed more of a standard American diet. Of course, maybe fasting is going to make you feel better, but you can go, you can elevate yourself a step, a step above. You don't have to rely on fasting in order to increase energy production. Your body is not going to increase energy when you're not giving energy in. That doesn't make any sense. I would have to pretty strongly disagree with you. Shock. Why? All right, because let's hear it. fasting is not a step. I mean, the, the alternative that we're proposing is not a step ahead. It's exponentially superior. Yeah. Exponentially. Yeah. There's no yeah. comparison. It's night is different as night and day. Yeah. And that is because the only major benefit that fasting does is it lowers the fuel for the gram negative bacteria. Primarily it's related to that the lowering the gram negatives, which will decrease endotoxin, which is another pernicious threat. So endotoxin, estrogen, linoleic acid, uh, stress hormones, these will all decrease your mitochondrial function, largely mediated in, in big part by the thyroid function. Yeah. So those are the big things. What I'd like to get from you now with your understanding of the application, you, you know, you're kind of rapidly reaching expert level on this, is your perception of the contribution of linoleic acid, which we're going to focus on a lot, as I said, versus the low carb. Because you did get some improvement. You, anyone will get improvement with low carb. Most anyone. We're not disputing that. Absolutely uh -huh. no argument. Largely yeah. because you're lowering the endotoxin load. So if you can you 
Can you like weave those together for us? Yeah. I mean, the body uses fat for fuel, right? Especially mm -hmm. if you have more to. muscle. If you have yeah. more muscle on your body, standing here, you and I, our muscles are using fat for fuel. And especially your heart. Especially, especially your, heart. your heart. And so we're not saying fat is bad, but the the different types of fatty acid molecules have drastically different structures and those impact the internal environment inside of us. They impact how your body is producing energy. And so the more saturated we can become, which is so opposite of mainstream, the more saturated we can become, the better our internal environment is going to be. And like you said, when, when someone goes low carb, maybe they reduce the amount of packaged food that they're eating that contains a ton of vegetable oil and linoleic acid. And so potentially they're resaturating some of their tissues. But when you learn about what livestock are being fed these days, then you realize, oh, a high animal fat diet can still contain quite a bit of PUFAs and linoleic acid, depending on what those animals ate. And mm -hmm. so I think it's important to consider the amount of each macronutrient that you're that you're intaking, because that can have profound impacts on your energy production. Um, resaturating your tissues is going to take you to the next level, but adding in appropriate levels of carbohydrates is just going to allow you to take your like conscious level and energy production level in your body to the next level. How much yes. further do you want to dive into like well, literally? Yeah, I just will say a little bit here and then we'll go into the farming yeah. operation. So the refinement of this is uh, the type of carbohydrates. And there's virtually no doubt, I'm close to 100% certain on this, that the ideal carbohydrate is fr fresh, ideally, ripe fruit. R ripe is the key here. Not yeah. all fruits. I mean, some are better than other, others. And I don't know if you've reached a conclusion, but I have, and I'm pretty confident of this, that the single best fruit you can get the single best fruit. What, what's your what's your what's your pick for the single best fruit? Orange juice. <laughs> no, no, no. And now, now th that's a good point. And let me diverge. That pulp-free orange juice. And do you know what the best brand is? A commercial brand? I have not do uh, dove down that, but I use Uncle okay. Matt's. Uncle Matt's is good, but there's one yeah. better. Nancy's. Nope. Evolution. Hmm. Evolution. Evolution. It's cold pressed. Yeah. Oh cold yeah yeah yeah. Okay. That, and that then you the strain best. out the extra pulp? I Well, here, you're, there's a confusion on this. And many people are surprised because in some ways it does violate a principle. And the general principle is whole fresh foods, right? That's the yeah. goal. Yeah. Now, the reason why that needs to be modified is because so many people are sick. Their, their gut bacteria are so profoundly adversely affected that they have something akin to SIBO. Maybe that infection hasn't traveled up through a small intestine, but it's certainly in their large intestine. Yeah. So, and that infection will respond adversely to what are typically useful fibers, but these fibers are going to make you worse because they'll increase endotoxin production. So if you're new to this, if you have a very unhealthy microbiome, then you need, then, then your answer is correct. For that population, pulp-free orange juice is one of the best, no question. Yeah, that is kind of the ultimate one that will gently and safely allow you to enter the higher carb world. Now, as your health microbiome improves, yeah, then you can transition to whole fruits, which is, I believe, far superior yeah. than the juices. Yeah. So, assuming you have a healthy microbiome, what is the best fruit for you? <laughs> That's the question. Well, I, so I, I, thank you, for, but thank you for refining that because what you said was accurate. There, there. 
for some people, orange pulp-free oranges is going to be the best. Uncle Matt's and Evolution. I think I don't know if Evolution is pulp-free though. Yeah, it may not be. I may not be. So, I don't know. I think it's important to remember, Joe. I am staring out at snow right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Southwest Michigan, and so abundant fruit isn't always possible for me. And so relying on things like I do extremely well with starch, and also adding so, in orange juice. Have, that's a good point. And and I. I, there's... Let me let me just expand on this for a moment because you're, you're that is correct. You are living in an aberrant environment that is not optimized for human biology. No, no argument about that. You can yeah. survive, and that's what you're doing, surviving. But ideally, you need to be a subtropical at a minimum, maybe tropical. And in yeah. that environment, the fruit will grow. But I'm but thankfully because of technology, we can compensate for that, and you can get fresh fruit thanks to transportation worldwide, global transportation. Yeah. That is available. Yeah. So I acknowledge that living in that type of environment, you're not going to get fresh, ripe fruit because you're, yeah. you're in the wrong environment for health. Yeah. So assuming that, let's go. Okay. <laughs> I love okay. these optimizations because, no, because what you said is true and, and pointing those details out is important for people to understand the bigger picture. Yeah. In, in Michigan, I rely a lot on frozen fruit. So in the summertime, I'll go to like strawberry fields and pick strawberries when fresh and then freeze a ton of them. Same thing with blueberries and peaches. And then yeah. I rely on a lot of apples in the winter because apples are kind of abundant around here and can be stored. Um, I'm curious, what what do you think is the best fruit? I don't think you'll disagree with this. And just to give you a share, I, I have 50 blueberry bushes <laughs> that are that are hybridized to live well in Florida. Yeah. And I gather anywhere between 10 and 15, maybe 20 gallons of blueberries. That's and amazing. Harvest, and I store them in my freezer. So yeah. I'm still now having blueberries, frozen blueberries, biodynamically grown in my garden. That's amazing. So I love blueberries, but they're not my favorite fruit. Uh, the favorite fruit that I have three to four pounds a day. Does that give you a hint? And you can have it too. That's the thing. Three Fresh. to four pounds a day. I have yeah. no idea. Watermelon. Oh, I, okay. I love watermelon. I have a ritual. Of I knew every... you did. Almost everyone loves watermelon. Almost watermelon everyone. Watermelon is the best fruit ever. I, okay. I agree there. Every single spring when watermelon, the first watermelon is grown, I have a tradition that I just eat the whole thing by myself. No one touched my watermelon. Yes. Yeah. Watermelon because... is like, it's a beautiful fruit. So it's very enticing for humans to eat. Like who in their right mind would say that watermelon is bad? Right. Like <laughs> some people are delusional, but yeah, they're not I'm connected there. to their truth. I was there. I was convinced that any fruit sugar was bad. Like I was in that position. I was, I was convinced that, but when you take a step back, it's like watermelon is so delicious. It, this is something like it is advantageous for our survival, for food to taste good. We should enjoy the taste mm-hmm. of our food. Yes. That's a clue. That is a clue. <laughs> We shouldn't have to pound down food that doesn't taste good. That wouldn't have been advantageous for survival, right? Um, wow, I agree. I wish I, yeah, I love watermelon you, so much. You knew you knew the answer. I just had to tease it out of you. Okay, okay, fair. So fair. I, I can tell you with a high degree of certainty that is indeed the best fruit that you can eat is watermelon. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, one of the reasons, by is that you can eat a lot of it. It doesn't fill you up that much. And before I started this high fruit diet, uh, I would say it's at least a quarter of my calories are from fruit uh that i used to drink a half a gallon of water a day guess oh. how much water i drink a day now zero, zero unless i'm doing sauna then i have to take a pint to a quart i'm the same way additional water yeah i get so, hydrated with bone broth 
um, fruits and milk. Yeah, yeah, milk is good too. Yeah. I, I, do, do you have goats in your operation? Yes, we do, yep. Yeah. I, I'm convinced that goat milk is probably superior to cow's milk. I would agree. Um, we yeah. have a number of customers that literally goat milk is the only thing that they can. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's A2, isn't it A2 proteins? Yeah, goat milk is naturally A2, but it's also yeah. naturally homogenized. And so the smaller flat fat globules oh. are easier for people to digest. Oh, Whereas I did in not cow know milk, that. The fat globules are a little bit bigger. I got cheese, feta goat cheese, raw goat cheese, and some eggs, which we're going to talk about because that's we're going to go to go into that next. Uh, which I'll give you a hint: these eggs are better than yours. And I'll tell you why. No, I thought yours were the best, but they're not. These are better, significantly okay. better. Yours are next. You're like tier level two, but these are okay. beyond that. Okay. I'll tell you why. It's just so fascinating because I'm going to hope to inspire you to move in this direction. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, because it's just, oh, I'm, I've, I have been floating ever since I got back home from this place because I, now I have the, some of the best food that humans can possibly eat. That's like, okay. great. What was the rennet used to make the cheese? I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I've actually hoped to talk to the farmers today or very, very shortly after today. So, so what, what, tell this me is a, on what you need to know about the rennet. Okay. So we have started a food system from scratch, right? Mm -hmm. And so I have a say in every single step of the food production process and diving into each step, very enlightening of how messed up our food system is. Mm -hmm. So cheese needs to be made with milk, obviously, mm -hmm. salt, mm -hmm. and then some sort of starter culture if you're going to make feta or manchego, different starter culture. And then a very important ingredient is rennet. And that's mm -hmm. the coagulating ingredient, right? Mm -hmm. Traditionally, animal rennet was used. Animal mm -hmm. rennet is derived from the stomach lining of a ruminant animal. Mm -hmm. And it contains the natural enzymes that's required to coagulate milk. It's meant to happen, right? Like all of this, we were meant to eat this food. Um, well, Pfizer created a microbial rennet mm -hmm. and it is derived from genetically or it's derived from mold that eats genetically modified corn and soy and so there's some research pointing that there's some like byproducts of that mm -hmm. production process in that microbial enzyme is that is that mold aspergillus i don't i'm not sure i'm not sure okay. um but it's, it's it's bad news it's called fpc and okay, so FPC. Pfizer created this in the early 90s, and now over 90% of the cheese made in the U.S. uses this FPC because it's so cheap to make. So okay. with our food co-op, um, we require that all of our cheese is, one, made with A2, A2 milk, because I think that that is much mm -hmm. more natural mm -hmm. for us. And two, all of the cheese is made with animal rennet the way that it should be made. So well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a people, really important thing. Yes. People who have issues with cheese, if you try an animal rennet source, you may digest it better because there's no lactose in cheese. You shouldn't have a problem digesting cheese, but mm -hmm. the source of the rennet can cause digestive issues for people. And so prioritizing animal rennet, cheese made with animal rennet, that is, I think, pretty important. Okay, good. Great, great. That is awesome. And I'm, I'm pretty confident this, this supplier is doing the right thing because they're so ahead of the game and everything else. I'd be shocked if they weren't, but I yeah. will absolutely confirm it. And, and an interesting combination. I don't know if you've tried it before. And by the way, I would encourage you 
strongly encourage you to consider having going through one or two watermelons a week. There's no reason you need to deprive yourself in the winter. We have global transportation. Okay. You can get them from Central South America. They grow there year round. Okay. So yeah. get some watermelon. It's okay. you deserve it. You deserve it. Okay. Okay. I'll get some watermelon. You deserve it. Okay. And then you've got the, you got the feta cheese there, right? Yes. Yeah. So try the watermelon and feta Ooh. cheese. With think a little mint? It. Yes. Yeah. But Ooh. think about it. Doesn't that sound great? That sounds delicious. That is the perfect oh, snack. Man. Yeah. I, oh, oh, it's just <laughs> fantastic. So I wanted to go on a little sidetrack now before we go on. Watermelon also has is really large quantities of a, I'm not, I think it's an amino. No, it's not an amino. I don't know what, how you classify this chemical, but it's called citrulline. Citrulline, I think it's an amino acid-like substance because I believe it converts into arginine, which is a precursor for nitric oxide. Now, and nitric oxide is important to your body. Now, if there's a big caveat here, if it's obtained from food sources, if you go, certainly if you take a pharmaceutical to increase your nitric oxide, you're just accelerating your path towards death prematurely. No question about it. Those are very dangerous, toxic drugs that should not be used by humans, should not be used. But if you even take artificial citrulline or other synthetic amino acids to augment your, your nitric oxide production, don't do it. You are, you are in for bad news. It's not going to improve your health. It'll worsen your health. But if you eat watermelon, you can do it because that's the source that your body was designed to augment nitric oxide production with something like citrulline from real food that's derived from the best fruit on the planet. <laughs> All right. That's a, that's a good tangent. Uh, back to reality. Uh, we talk, we're talking about feta cheese. You, you, I'm glad you're producing it. I think maybe we can pivot over because there's so many things we can talk about. We can pivot over to the egg production because I'm really excited about sharing. I just learned this within the last few hours, by the way. This is brand new for me. And I, I actually, as I said, I, I got, I was suspicious because my beloved told me about these uh, eggs and I did not believe, I didn't think it was possible because I was under the mindset that was that you couldn't feed chickens without extra calories that you had to provide them. And that belief is true if you live in environments like here, you are right now. Because yeah. there because the I I just want to I'll go for a little few more minutes and then I'll let you go on as much as you want because you, you are the clear expert in this area. I am just beginning to understand this, but I, I'm so excited and I, I and I'm I'm Fairly confident you're going to agree with this. And we have not discussed this previously. This is a, I've never talked to Ashley about this. But their ideal food is not, I mean, you've developed a great process to feed them, and I've been using that. But the ideal food is insects that are fresh from the ground. Now, you can't do that without substantial work around. And I'm going to discuss that with you because it is possible, but you can't do that in most of the U.S. because the ground gets cold, it freezes, and there's no insects available for them. And they need fresh insects. But yeah. if you, this, the reason this farm has the best eggs, because they never get anything but the bugs in the ground. That is their 100% sole diet. Now, the eggs you've developed have, I think it's 75% linoleic acid in the regular eggs. And that's the danger of eating eggs. Eggs, we're talking about whole food, how to feed yourself, right? The best, probably one of the the reason why this conversation is so vitally important for you to understand the details of is because whole eggs, whole eggs, or the egg yolk specifically, is one of the finest 
foods that you could feed your body with. There's no, the only thing that comes close is organ meat. Yeah. Egg yolks are the ultimate. They are the ultimate food. And the problem is 99.99% of the, the eggs produced in this country are not that good. I don't yeah. care if they say free range, grass fed, organic. It doesn't matter. They're terrible because they have four times higher the amount of linoleic acid that is so dangerous. And we don't have time to go into it now. I've talked about it. Most of you know about it already. It is the primary variable that's destroying your health. So you have to be obsessive about this. You need eggs. If you have an allergy, it's a different deal. But most likely, if you're getting it from chickens who just ate bugs, you're not going to have that allergy. <laughs> you know, most likely. I don't know. It's possible. Sometimes when you fry eggs and you scramble them, you can get an allergy to the white. It's not so much the yolk, it's the white, because that's the protein. We're going to talk about that in a moment. So I, I want to, I can go on and on, but I want to give this, you this digestible bite so you can respond. Yeah. So I think that there's ideal world and then there's reality, right? Mm -hmm. So of course we would all love to just have chickens eating bugs, but then there's the production issue and being able to actually pay your bills and be profitable. And so what's the next best option to feeding chickens, just abundant bugs. I agree. Bugs are a great diet for chickens. However, this is very important for people who own chickens. Do not buy de dehydrated yeah, bugs. I, I was just going to say that, right? Because they're, they're even worse. They're even those worse. Those bugs are created in a small basement or lab in these like weird tanks in their fed corn and soy. So I've looked into this. Those dehydrated bugs are Meal very works. high okay. linoleic acid. They are a huge linoleic acid source for your chicken worse, diet. Worse than the grains. Worse than the 100%. grains. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think that would be the ideal condition. And I have like a, an image in my head of what I want to bring our farm to in the future of like a greenhouse where we've got fodder growing on the ground and we can, I have a worm farm that I can transport into there. And so then they'll get abundant bugs in the winter, but that's what I want to move towards, but that requires a lot of uh, financial investment. So we'll get there one day, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I guess you're, so you're, you're already going there. That's what I was going to yeah, yeah, hopefully yeah. inspire you to move to, but you already know that and you're going yeah. there. And I, yeah. And there's, a, I'm going to recommend some things that could help accelerate that for you, because this is what we need. This is what every darn farm in the country, anyone who's producing chickens needs to know this. Yeah. This is vital. This is crucial. It's one of the most important foods you can eat. Well, I think, so you saying like, it doesn't matter the types of like labels on the eggs. I think it's important to consider Organic soybeans have the same amount of linoleic acid as non-organic soybeans. Yes. Whether it's grown conventionally or organically does not change the fatty acid composition of soybeans. You don't want to be eating eggs from chickens fed a bunch of soy, vegetable oil, and other high omega-6, high PUFA foods. And so that's kind of where I'm at. What's the next best option, right? How can we give the chickens an appropriate amount of calories in a macronutrient composition that works for them in a way that we can keep them healthy so that they have enough energy. Because Dr. Mercola, it's kind of like the whole fasting and low carb thing that we were talking about earlier. Your chicken is not going to thrive if it's underfed. Your chicken is not going to mm -hmm. thrive mm -hmm. if it doesn't yes. have food. And so totally in my opinion, totally. I am trying to boost the metabolic rate of our chickens as high as possible. Just like us, chickens are monogastric, single stomach animals. The types of fat that they are fed, the types of fat that we are fed 
impacts the types of fat inside of us. This is a little bit different for ruminant animals, cows, goats, mm -hmm. but for monogastric chickens, pigs, their diet is very important. And this is why I am so passionate about it because our food system, we have been lied to and convinced that saturated fat is bad for us. So you've seen a huge push for polyunsaturated fatty acids, PUFAs in our diet. This is going beyond just human dietary choices. This is impacting our livestock food. And this is having profound impacts on not only livestock health, but then the types of food that we're consuming. This is a very deep problem in our food system. And unfortunately, corn, soy, distilled grains, these things are government subsidized and there are huge systems and networks to set up so that this is an easy feed option for farmers. And that's my biggest problem is farmers are not out there trying to do bad things. They're trying to pay their bills. They're trying to do the best that they can. The system is set up such that these are the easier choices for farmers. And a lot of farmers do not have the resources to take things to the next level, to get their own feed made or get their feed imported from another thing. It's the system that has huge profound impacts. So not only are human dietary fats going in the wrong direction, we're eating less saturated fat, we're eating more polyunsaturated fats. The same thing is happening in the livestock industry. And this is because this belief that saturated fat is bad and polyunsaturated fat is good. That belief is so pushed that when you read the literature for livestock feeding, pretty much all the authors say like, because PUFAs have health promoting benefits, <laughs> it is advantageous that we increase the PUFA concentration of livestock. This is happening across the board. Dr. Mercola, even in the dairy industry, they're creating things called rumen protected fats. And mm -hmm. so they are polyunsaturated fatty acids that in a typical rumen digestion system, they can go through the process called biohydrogenation, I believe, which turns the PUFA into saturated fat. They are designing rumen protected fats so that the PUFAs pass through the rumen. Oh. The, PUFA, the PUFA content of milk is increasing. The PUFA content of beef fat is increasing. Wait, 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 and this wait. is by hold, hold design. On. This is by hold design. On there. Hold your thought because I want to acknowledge one thing. So the words of wisdom you just heard Ashley share. She's, I mean, how could this woman, this tiny young woman have this much knowledge? But I'm telling you, you if you haven't figured it out by now, she's probably the, the one of the wisest experts in the whole country on this topic. So what she's saying is spot on dead accurate. She's helping you understand this process. Now, what you just shared, I never heard of before. This is frightening. This is shocking. I had no idea such a fat existed. Because this is one of the reasons ruminant animals have this because they have these multiple compartments of their stomachs, these, these bacteria hang out there and they have the capacity to hydrogenate those fatty acids. So to saturated fats, but the, the fats that you're talking about, they figured out that we can bypass that bioprotective system and screw the humans. So now it's we have, we have ruminant animals being fed this crap and they have higher PUFA content in their milk. The PUFA or, content of milk is going up. So that means oh, any dairy fat, that means butter, that means cream, that oh, means whole milk. Butter and ghee, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And so it's just- This is terrible, I had no idea this was going on. This because is why we, I have- We always tell people to do this. Do not take the, 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 the seed oils. You got to have butter or ghee. That is, but now with even that's perverted. 
I'll I'll send you links after the podcast. There, oh there's, my God. It's it's crazy because the livestock industry is viewing this as good because they start with the bias. Saturated fat equals bad. PUFAs equals good. So then, mm -hmm. how can they design things in the lab in the background such that they increase the PUFA content? And it's it's happening to a degree in ruminants, but I like really need to stress the importance in in monogastric because monogastric are like pretty much your dietary the dietary the amount of fats in a chicken and a pig's diet is almost the amount of fat in their final product so it matters mm -hmm. so much for monogastrics it's becoming more important for the ruminants as these people are creating these rumen protected fats but for lard and chicken fat to have the same fatty acid composition or not same fatty acid composition Lard and chicken fat from conventional animals has the same amount of poof as canola oil. Yeah. Our, like this, this is profound. We have changed the types of fat inside of us. I believe you mentioned this in your linoleic acid review article. I think the linoleic acid content of humans has increased 136%. That is changing how our body is making energy inside of us. And so this connects back to the beginning of our conversation the types of fat that we consume day to day have a long life inside of us, 600 days. And so the types of fat that we're consuming day to day impacts our energy production for years to come. And it's, it's unfortunate because this is just the reality for a lot of people. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Our food system is designed and set up in a way that is not setting us up for success. Right. And so that's why I want to try to change it by Going back to how our food was produced 100 years ago, where there was appropriate amounts of PUFAs in foods, small amount. Saturated fat was the predominant fat source for both livestock and humans. And it's just to see where we're at today in 2023 and the impacts that that fear of cholesterol and saturated fat has had on us. It's not just humans. It's in the livestock and the feed industry as well. And that in, a, in itself is going to take years to undo. And unfortunately, it's going to impact our dietary intake as well. Yeah. So the reason you are one of the wisest people in the whole industry on this topic is because we're one of the only ones, one of the only ones that understand the dangers of PUFAs. The yeah. other, no one else gets this. They're clueless. I'm not, it's not that they're stupid. It's just that they're, they're victims of the propaganda and brainwashing campaign yeah. of industry. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I mean, these people are well-intentioned. They really want to do the right thing. They're not evil. They're just no. the best they can. So they don't understand what you do. If they did, they'd be motivated to do it. And our, our goal collectively, you and I collaboration are, is to inspire and change the food production system so yeah. that people can have access to this because there is no way you are going to be healthy unless you can minimize the linoleic acid. It's like physically impossible. And yeah. I would just like to revise one of the comments that you made, because it's not as precise as it should be. And it's a, more of an emphasis. You said that the refer to the increase in the fat, the PUFAs decrease our wait, decrease our ability to make, but actually they seriously block and impair energy production. They, they radically reduce the efficiency and increase oxidative stress through the roof. And, and it just sabotages your health. It's one of, it's literally one of the worst things you can do to yeah. sabotage your health is eating, eating seed oils. Yeah. Well, really I mean, it's when you think of it in nature, what do squirrels eat when they head into hibernation? Nuts. High what in are PUFA. nuts high in? Pufa. 
Unless it's macadamia, and I don't think these squirrels are eating macadamia nuts. <laughs> no, no, no. That would be inefficient for their torpor. So in in nature, animals increase their PUFA consumption only up to a certain amount. They only increase their PUFA consumption up to a certain amount to induce hibernation. Some instinct inside of them knows if they go above that amount, they're going to increase harmful, toxic oxidation inside of them. They increase their PUFA consumption to initiate torpor, which means their metabolism is so downregulated that they can last the winter without eating. Like you, we need to think about that. Do you want, as a human, do you want to go into hibernation? Do you want to downregulate your metabolism so much that you have to eat 1200, 1300 calories to maintain your weight? That is not thriving. Humans should be eating 2000 calories or above. If you well, are- depends on your size. Some people maybe do close to four or five thousand, and some people really tiny people. How how tall are you? Like four two? Or five I'm two, five, five four and a half. Three, five, four. Okay. And I'm like twenty eight hundred calories a day. Okay, good. Yeah, and, and I you maintain can my that. weight. Your, th your thyroid works. Your yeah. thyroid finally works again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But largely because I try to keep my PUFA consumption as low as possible. Um, and I, you can easily track that in chronometer and, and see what your total PUFA, total linoleic acid content is per day. And you were talking about this early, earlier, conventional eggs. If you have four conventional eggs, you're already mm -hmm. at about five grams of linoleic acid in a day. And I would want but people to be lower than that. You yeah. do not want to go above five. You, I mean, you should be lower, but five is like, do not go above five. For sure. And it and all foods contain some amount of linoleic acid. So even milk's gonna have a little bit. And so you need to yeah, enough. Yeah. You're getting enough. you're getting the essential fats. By eating animal fats, you're getting the essential fats. If oh. if that is even essential. You're getting the amount that you need. Oh, you don't got, need to go. Really good, do you do you read Georgie's blog? Oh yeah. Okay, good. Then you probably saw this and it's just a reminder for you. But the um there is an important the, the, there's no question. It is it, it, omega six is not essential. Technically, you could classify it because if you got a lab diet, it was created in the lab, does not exist outside of the lab. It is physically impossible to eat real food and become deficient in linoleic, in linoleic acid. You can't yeah. do it. You yeah. cannot do it. It's impossible. Just know that. So that that means it is not essential because it's if you you all you have to do is eat. Yeah. Now, if you're if you're in an artificial situation like your total parental nutrition, or you're just not eating food, then you can get deficient. But that's really unusual. But yeah, if you're just eating carbs and coconut oil, you, you may not eat it. But like no, vegetable oil, true. in my four pounds of watermelon, there's almost uh, a gram of linoleic acid. Exactly. You're you're getting yeah, yeah. some amount in your food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, there's no question about it. So it's a, it's a pretty significant source as we eat that much watermelon. <laughs> and I'm not talking about eating the seeds. I'm talking about just the watermelon or yeah. the rind. Yeah, don't eat the rind. When I say three to four pounds of watermelon, that's watermelon meat. That's not the rind, okay? Yeah. That's just what I'm talking about. Uh, so uh, what the, the point I want to make on Georgie's blog, which just opened my eyes, I heard it before, but I really understood it now. So there is a, there is a true essential fat that you need and not everyone is getting. And that is called the odd chain saturated fats. Okay. Specifically, it's pentadecanoic acid and there's heptadecanoic acid also, but the, the penta one is the most important. It's a 15 carbons. And the reason they're essential is because your body digests, metabolizes more specifically, 
fat in chunks of two. Those cuts off two two carbons, and they get they get metabolized or produced into acetyl CoA, which gets shuttled into the mitochondria to burn as fuel. Now, when you get down to the to three, then it gets you cut the two, and that goes in, and you got well left over with one. What happens to this one? Well, this one turns into succinic acid, which is really, really important for the Krebs cycle. And if you don't get enough of this pentadecanoic acid, you're going to run into problems. And what is the, you know this, I'll let you answer it. What is the finest source of pentadecanoic acid? The odd chain saturated fat. Wouldn't it be butter? Yes. That's it. Yeah. Or, or milk more specifically. But dairy butter. fats. Dairy fats. Dairy fats. Yeah. Yeah. Dairy there's, fat. um, the lab that I collaborated with at Michigan State University to get our eggs, fatty acid test done for our eggs, um, mm -hmm. they're kind of just now getting into this. And so mm -hmm. this long chain fatty acid, I think, is an upcoming thing in the literature. I think it's not really there the odd, yet. The odd chain. The odd chain. The odd, sorry, odd chain fatty acid um, literature isn't there yet. And our eggs actually showed to have significantly higher levels of those relative to pasture-raised corn and soy fed. And I think the, it's because the, the, the what they measured them. Yes. And so they're just now getting into that. So I think it's going to become more and more apparent in the literature of why they're beneficial, but, but, but there's a lot of resistance to them studying them mm -hmm. because what does it promote? <laughs> Most anti-industry for sure. It promotes more saturated fat intake and yeah, that's yeah, counter sure. to what the mainstream. So there's, there's a lot of confusion and talking to this lab was very insightful because they were like, yeah, it seems to be that the, these fats, these odd chain, they're, they're very health promoting, but they're only in saturated fats, which aren't good for you. And I'm like, oh, oh, ding, ding, ding. Um, yeah. And I, I think it all goes down to, um, that, yeah. that production of those inside of an animal's body, I think is dependent on their fatty acid composition intake. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it turns out that if you just, if you didn't get any of these odd chain saturated fats, then a high saturated fat might be problematic. It actually may be counterproductive in some, if you take it to a high level. You yeah. need these odd chain saturated fats. That's why you need butter. You need milk. Yeah. These are essential for your food. Your, your optimized biology and health is dependent on these. You need to get them. Yeah. It, to summarize for the audience, like it goes back to the intro part of the conversation, these odd chain fatty acids, they're just, they're just coming into your body and they're helping you increase that energy pool. They're helping you mm -hmm. produce more energy inside of your body. And that's just ultimately going to improve how your body functions. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I think we could tangent now. There's so many things we can talk about. It's kind of fun. I don't no preparation. We just off the top of our head and we're going to help a lot of people. This is great. So the tangent, we had this, this we actually had this discussion on the phone because I was concerned about her or for you. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've got, since that conversation, I've acquired a little more information. I'm a little more confident in my this, this suggestion. But I was concerned, I mean, we're talking about eggs. Yeah. There is little to no doubt, we're both in agreement with this, that everyone should be eating eggs, unless you have a severe allergy. Of course, you're not going to have to eat Wait, something you're looking for. But, but, but the diet of a chicken impacts the allergenicity of those okay, eggs. There we go. See, see, I love you. Know, I I say something, and you get the details. You, this is the third time you've done it now, and and the, picking out those details is vital to improve the understanding. So these tangents are just perfect. So thank you. So expand on eating that. eating soy 
so what is soy high in? Some phytoestrogens that can be very problematic for some people. Dr. McCullough, those get passed through to the egg. Mm -hmm. So if a chicken is eating those phytoestrogens that can be problematic for humans, those get passed through into the egg. So we have a number of customers that cannot eat any other eggs, but they are totally fine with our eggs. And it's because of the diet of the chicken. So if you have like allergic reactions or problems with eggs, try a different source where they're not fed soy. Corn, people, some people can be allergic to corn as well, and that allergenicity can pass through the egg as well. But it seems like soy is the biggest culprit. So try a different source where they're not fed those things. But be careful of many corn and soy-free feeds because those are fed high poof ingredients like sunflower and flax mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. fish oil and vegetable oil and safflower oil. And so just be really careful of your source there and ask what the chickens are eating. But yeah, the so allergenicity of eggs, I think, really depends yeah. on what the chicken yeah. eats. Yeah. I Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for highlighting that vital important piece of knowledge so that is tremendous and thank you for refining my understanding of it too because i i thought it might have been more to the protein in the egg white being cooked incorrectly but it's probably what they were it makes perfect sense it it, yeah. it sounds you're spot like you're i believe you're spot on no question so anyway so that with that refinement if you can get ideal eggs and ashley and i hope to catalyze an entire industry an entire industry in the United States. We're, we're working on it. Trust me. We're, we're working out very hard to yeah. make sure that it's easily available to you at a relatively low price. It's going to be more expensive because it costs a little bit more to make this. We'll go yeah. into details of why this is the case. But th that is our goal. That is our passion to do this. Because eggs, let me just finish up the thought that you so wisely correct me. And thank you so much. Is that I believe now everyone, assuming it's the right eggs, Everyone should be eating these every day, whether it's one, two, or in my case, six eggs a day. So I eat six eggs, but I only eat one egg white. I eat six egg yolks, one egg white. What do I do? Well, that's wasteful. Yeah, it is. But you know what I do is I take the egg whites and I feed them back to my chickens. <laughs> I cook them and feed them back. So it recycles, you know, because why am I not eating the egg? What is wrong with you? You can cook the egg white and the avidin won't bind to your biotin. So it's not an issue. Yeah, but it's loaded. It is the highest food source of tryptophan. And tryptophan is the immediate precursor for a molecule, a, a supposed happy hormone molecule that is a neurotransmitter that is not, not, not beneficial for you. That serotonin, the higher serotonin levels, the worse your health is going to be. So the last thing I want to do is give my body the opportunity to create more ser serotonin. That's not happening on in my, in my, in my watch for sure. So Ashley knows this. She's really smart. She understands this. She chooses to eat the egg whites, but she makes specific compensations. And my, since our discussion, and I'll let her discuss that next or describe what those are. So you at least can do that if you choose to do that. But I still believe that the ideal ratio for human beings is one egg yolk. I mean, one egg white per six, and this should be cooked, one egg white per six yolks. You're having a lot more than that. So that's ideal. Now, when you're, understand, Ashley is in radically healthy. She's transformed her entire life by making this diet choice. So she can get away with this. I think she'd be a bit a little better, but that's her choice. And I'm not going to trash her for it. She, you know, she definitely improved. I think it'd be even better if she didn't eat the whites. But anyway, let me have her explain to you how she compensates and minimizes the absorption of, of the tryptophan. Yeah. So I think the more we can optimize our internal environment, the more our body will be able to make choices that improve energy production 
improve our health. And so as Dr. Mercola mentioned, that tryptophan can be converted into serotonin, but it's not always going to be converted into serotonin. There are things inside the body that can, that can break that conversion. And so you are an optimizer, right? We're on the same page. We are trying to push human capacity beyond normal. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's well, amazing. Idea, optimized. You're right. That is the word optimized, optimized biology. That's, that's what I but strive for. If you put yourself in the position of a mom that has four kids, she mm-hmm. works a job. She does not have time to take six eggs, take the yolks <laughs> out of six, cook just one of them. Just make sure that the whites of just one of them are cooked and then oh. discard the rest. And so I think we have to think in terms of some pragmatic compromises. Yeah. Like let's think about like what other people are going through and just eat two eggs, make sure the egg whites are cooked. Yeah. Have some dairy with your eggs. That's very important that increasing your calcium intake at that meal will reduce that conversion. So I think the, the calcium to phosphate ratio in your meals is very important and you can improve that by eating dairy. And so that I think would be the first tip would be to increase dairy in that meal, but then also make sure you're having enough carbohydrates with that meal. Because as Dr. Mercola pointed out in his last article, carbon dioxide is a magical compound. And I think that that is a huge difference between low carb and high carb individuals because carb oxidation produces 50% more carbon dioxide inside of us. So Dr. Mm-hmm. Mercola pointed out that by breathing a certain way, you can improve your carbon dioxide production, but you can also improve your endogenous production inside your cells by the fuel source that your body is using for energy production. So having carbohydrates with your eggs is very important to increase carbon dioxide levels. And then that in itself will also reduce the amount of tryptophan to serotonin conversion. And then we can get into things like quinones, like vitamin K2 and mm-hmm. cascara. And I'm, I'm into this tonic water idea right now. Um, and because of the CO2, because of the CO2 and it, it does contain some quinones as well. Oh, so real queen, quinine water. Queen, qu- quinine, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have not uh, yet been able to find a source that has citric acid in it. So I'm, okay. I'm on the lookout for it because tonic yeah. water was a huge thing that our ancestors ate back in the day. And I yeah, think that it, yeah. it plays a valuable role, but I'm going to look at that. I think you can, you can bypass it with the K2. Okay. A, okay. K2 and OQ10. Okay. Yeah, I think, I, I don't think the need for it is that high. And then getting other sources <laughs> too, which we have time. We'll, yeah. we'll talk. So yeah. thank you for bringing that up. But I just wanted to mention that my concern for your health is radically diminished because you when in stating that you reminded me, you're only eating two eggs a day. Now, if you were eating six eggs a day, it'd be an issue. That would be an issue yeah. for sure. You're not. I, you're eating two. So I, that, go, you're, I go between two and four. I go between okay. two and four. You're still fine. You're probably yeah. with what you're doing. It's not ideal, but it's not a big deal. It's, yeah, it's it's almost insignificant. Um, I also believe that egg whites contain some good protein. Mm, but- they do. However, it's very important to eat those with carbs. So, you know, seeing people eating eggs, just eggs for breakfast, that is drastically lowering your blood sugar. You need carbohydrates to compensate for that because 
Dr. McCullough, I think that if someone just eats eggs for breakfast, I think that a lot of that tryptophan is being converted into serotonin. If you yeah, add yeah. dairy and if you add carbohydrates, you're going to reduce that tryptophan to serotonin conversion. Make it simple. Eat eggs, dairy, carbs. There you go. Well, There's let's, a meal. Let's be a little more specific because carbs could be putting that poached egg on bread. <laughs> we, we don't recommend. Carbs hey, are bread, but it's typically always I eat what? sourdough bread every single day. Okay. I thrive with sourdough bread. But with no long seed fermented, oil. Long fermented. And no seed oils. Oh, no seed oils. Yeah, most commercial bread is made with yeast, and it also has a bunch of vegetable oil in it. Don't eat standard bread. Right, yeah. Find, so if find traditional bread, sourdough. If you're going to eat bread, yeah, not or traditional sourdough. That would be yeah. acceptable. But yeah. you do not want to eat regular bread. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. yeah so for breakfast, have eggs, milk, and some honey and maple or maple syrup and fruit. Boom, there you go. You're drastically reducing the conversion of tryptophan to serotonin and it's a simple meal. You don't have to go and collect the six egg yolks, discard <laughs> five and cook your six. Um, I like to kind of make simple practical tips for people because I think most people would benefit from just eating a little bit more regularly, not fasting and then binging at the end of the day. If mm -hmm. we can implement more healthy meals in a more regularly timed manner, I think people do much better off with blood sugar regulation, cognitive thinking, and just overall function. I, I agree. I think your recommendations are far more practical than mine. And uh, I think I probably would, I probably should adopt them myself, I, unless you really want to go extreme like I'm doing. But uh, it's probably unnecessary. So thank you for that revision. Uh, and, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, talk about the yolks. Oh, oh, but back in the day, though. What, what's that? Back in back the, in no, the day. Finish, can you remember that? Because I always want to finish yeah. this. So yeah. It goes to get lost. The reason, one of the reasons, one of the primary benefits, almost everyone, almost everyone is deficient in choline. Yeah. Because the, the, really the only way you can get it is... To, in, I mean, you can eat it through liver, but there's you have to eat too much liver to get a significant choline. Uh, yeah. Is egg yolks? I mean, and you and four is your goal. I mean, less than four, you're not going to get enough choline. Yeah. You're going to be choline deficient. So I eat six. I got fifty percent more than I need. I got a, yeah. I got a buffer, but you want to shoot for four eggs a day, ideally. So you yeah. want to shoot on that, and then then go on to what are you interrupting? Well, just mainstream. Thoughts. Mainstream health recommendations are still telling you that egg yolks are bad and you should just eat the egg whites and they sell egg white <laughs> cartons at the grocery store. And you, I think back to when I was like really into like bodybuilding era and that is still a common thing, you know, rice, egg whites, like they're, it's so, so devoid of nutrients and circling that back to our beginning conversation, those nutrients are vital cofactors for energy production. And so you can't just slam a bunch of nutrient devoid food. I think that that's where people may run into issues with high carb intake is their nutrient devoid of, for example, vitamin B1 or choline or all these necessary cofactors to improve energy production. And so focusing on making sure every single day you hit nutrient dense foods, that will help your body produce more energy as well. Yes, indeed. Okay, yeah. now I, there's an important point we glossed over and I was going to get to later and let, now that later is that time now. So you had mentioned in your justification, that's probably the best term for it, of feeding the chickens 
during the extreme sessions when they can't have access to the bugs is the, is the justification of using that feeding system. And I believe that I adopted it and I didn't understand that I was in one of the few areas of the country where I didn't need to do that. Yeah. And you imply that it was commercially impractical. I would challenge that because this farm is doing it. They are selling eggs and that, you know, their, their cost of production goes down pretty dramatically because yeah. when I was implementing your system and I went organic and have it shipped. I mean, I was literally the cost of producing my eggs, just the food, not my time. Otherwise then we'll go through the roof. If you have to factor my time so, <clears throat> uh, was about $150 a month. I was paying for, for grains to feed them. So the, those grains split peas, and we'll talk about your formula in a moment. And then your plans for doing this. But I want, I want to get this in first. And if we have time, I'm going to CO2. So but it was about $150 a month. And I would get maybe five or six eggs a day. So you can do the math on that. It's pretty pricey. I mean, just to pay for the food for the chickens. Now, they'll yeah. eat that food for sure. But my chick, they didn't need that. And the person that helped, that works for me on my, on my property, he's, a, he, he's kind of like, he's a handyman. He's just a farmer. He's a really wise agricultural guy. And, he wanted to push me in that direction. I resisted largely because of the information I had from you. And I know, no, actually knows what she's doing. We're going to do it this way. This is the way we got to do it. But that when I discovered this farm in Florida, and I'm not going to disclose it until I get connected with them, make sure I get, continue my, get my supply. Although I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I have, I had a dozen chickens and we got a big, big butt fox that got into it. He, he destroyed all the chicken. I got one left out of that. Oh no. And, and four geese. I was loving my geese and the geese are all dead. Oh no. So, yeah. So we're going to put an electric fence in. That's the other thing you have to protect against predators. And this, 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 you know, I have a coop at night, they go in the coop and the coop's locked and there's no nighttime spread other than this fox, which gives them around sunset or sundown or sunrise. Uh, so I was getting, going to give up chicken farming, but this more, they, literally within an hour, a half hour prior to me interviewing you, I reached the conclusion I'm not going to get being a chicken farmer because now I don't have to. There's, it's virtually maintenance free. There's no food to feed them. They eat the bugs. All you got to do is go in and harvest the eggs. How, how much better and easier can it be? So if you live in, now I'll let you respond to this and we'll go into that because I definitely appreciate your feedback. This is a dialogue. This is not a lecture. Yeah, okay? yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you think so, the macro composition of bugs are? I don't know. You've looked at it, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So your argument, your argument then is that you're not optimizing their biology. No. No. Okay. So you're telling the chickens to go on a keto diet. Oh, <laughs> so they're not going to get enough food. I think that their health is drastically improved when you add carbohydrates. Oh, okay. So here, okay. Bingo. I got the answer. All right. You know what the answer is? Huh? I live in Florida and we had a bad hurricane. It was, it was, it was a cat five, almost a cat five. And by the time it hit us, it was a cat three, but it destroyed most of my fruit trees, destroyed them because I'm on a river and the, just the water came up and I have dozens and dozens of banana, banana trees. They love bananas. So oh, that's they where love bananas. That's where they're getting their carbohydrates. Now, they, I don't care about the serotonin chickens. Probably is not an issue, but they're yeah. going to get a lot of bananas. So yeah, I, and I give them, guess who gets the watermelon that I have left over? The chickens. <laughs> the chickens. They, so I, I guarantee you, their favorite food is watermelon. So I give them fruit. So, if, so what is your revision? So the revision here is let them have the bugs for the protein and the fat. Yeah. Give them fruit. So, all right. I want you to think back hundred years ago, yeah. we're on a small homestead. Mm -hmm. Chicken feed kind of wasn't a thing. 
right? Right. Like that, mm -hmm. that really wasn't a table, thing. Table scraps. Exactly. So chickens would go to compost piles. They would get kitchen table scraps. So they're eating a very balanced diet. Mm -hmm. I think that chickens will thrive and produce better tasting and better eggs when they are fed carbohydrates because their energy production is increased when they eat carbohydrates. And so Dr. Mercola, yes, maybe the most ideal situation is them eating bugs and bananas. But if that chicken, <laughs> if that chicken coop and table and watermelon, watermelon, yeah, watermelon. If, the, <laughs> if that chicken coop is not rotated around, those chickens are going to be on a very degraded landscape. And so I think oh, no, no. management wait, wait. of I, the... I live on two acres, two acres, and, and they, they have free free access to the entire two acres. Yep. At night yep. they're in the coop for predator protection. I'm talking about I'm talking about a okay, so let's think about more commercial production. So like my farm and mm -hmm. the network that I'm trying to create with, with mm -hmm. our egg business. With a thousand chickens, if those chickens are not moved, you are causing soil degradation. And so oh, the natural instinct population is going to decline. And so rotational, great, uh, sorry, uh, rotationally moving their chicken coop, part of regenerative agriculture, very important to me, probably my number two favorite topic. Mobile pasture raise is very important to ensure that they're getting enough bugs, they're getting enough grasses, and getting enough, like, Eating a little bit of the grasses and getting fiber is beneficial for their diet as well. So I am trying to emulate the best possible situation of having chickens at a somewhat larger scale. We're never going to go to a confinement building operation. That's 5,000, yeah. 10,000 birds stuffed into a building. That's horrible. But if we think about like being a little bit more commercial, like doing this for a business, right? Like both mm -hmm. sides, like the business has got to make money and being at more of a commercial business size scale, what's the best thing that we can do to keep them healthy, keep our costs as low as possible? Because unfortunately, corn and soy are subsidized by the government. So our tax dollars are paying for the corn and soy subsidization. And so the feed ingredients that I choose in our feed are more expensive. They're just two to three to four times the cost as corn and soy feed. So. Mm -hmm. How can we emulate that in the best possible way that is benefiting our environment? We're getting more back to the environment than what we're extracting. We're improving the chicken health. We're keeping PUFA content to zero or as low as possible so that we can produce the healthiest eggs as possible. So I think context is very important and doing the best that you can give your, given your situation, I think is key. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for refining that. I I was actually doing that anyway. I didn't realize that was an important part of the equation that I didn't mention. I was giving them the fruit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. they get like, I don't know, I've got a dozen chickens, maybe four pounds of bananas a day, you know? Yeah. Now there's so, a banana back. It took it, a year for the banana trees to grow back. I mean, they oh, were we've had no bananas for like the last year. Yeah. So in the winter and throughout the summer too, the way that I kind of emulate that insect is every single week, the chickens get a huge pile of beef, meat, and organ scraps. So I know that that's not practical for everyone, but I've got a really good relationship with the butcher just down the road. And I get access to all of his homestead, 100% grass-fed beef scraps. And unfortunately, most people don't want the heart. They don't want the liver. They don't want the tongue. That's so the best. Rather than, rather than letting that go to landfills, I come and pick that up once a week and I deliver it to our chickens. And so they get 
a boost in the in protein, a huge boost in nutrients with the liver and the organ meat. So that is one of my ways to increase their micronutrient intake and also increase their protein. And then of course they also get like a bunch of organic food scraps and, and things like that in their feed. So I think doing the best we can to utilize the resources that we have at hand, unfortunately that's where the system makes it really hard for farmers because the resources that many people have available are just not good. And, and that's, that's the really unfortunate part about all of this. Yeah, so it is. So now I am sure that many people watching this want to get their eggs from you. I've gotten your, my eggs from you when I, when the predators first hit and the production went down and the other, the other variable that we didn't touch on, uh, as winter emerges, there's, and you can talk on that before we finish with this other, other point. Uh, my production was going down from seven, eight a day, nine a day down to one or two. And that's yeah. because the, there was low light. So you help me understand, I fixed that. So why don't, why don't you discuss that? Because that's a variable that if you're raising your own chickens, you have to consider because the egg production does not have to go down in the winter, but it, no. there's, a, there's a way to compensate for this. So why don't you expand on that? Animals are very sensitive to light hours and it all goes back to circadian rhythm, circadian biology. Same thing with humans, right? If I didn't take biohacking steps in the winter, my metabolism would downregulate as the light hours get shorter and shorter. I use incandescent light bulbs. I use red light therapy to boost my body's light exposure because light is a signal of abundance and it improves overall health. Same thing with chickens. Um, supplementing them with strategic light hours can boost their health because at the end of the day, a chicken that is healthy enough to produce an egg is a healthier chicken. And so mm -hmm. increasing their light hours so that they have the same amount of light or similar amount of light throughout the year can help re more regulate their production. And I don't think it's cruel at all. It's improving their health because light is yes. good for the body. It is advantageous for the body to see light. Darkness is a stress on the body. That's very well said. So thank you for that brilliant piece of information that helps educate so many people because this is probably the first time they heard it. And it did work for me. I used an LED light. Uh, it was a cool white, so it had more of the, more of the blue light. Uh, and I put it on at about 3 a.m. Uh, so they get like four, four extra hours of light yep. in the winter. As opposed the most to giving ideal would be a, the most ideal you know, would be a no flicker light. Um, yeah. so if you can swing that, that would be the best. Cause okay, then that's just that's, less stress. Yeah, it's a good point. I didn't think I forgot about the flicker. I'll have to check to make sure the light's not flicker. Well, I've only down to one chicken now, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to raise them from scratch though. How long does it take? Is it like three? It's been a while since I raised chickens from the beginning. Is it like three or four months before they start producing? Four months. Four months. Yeah. 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 I would recommend not starting your chickens from chicks if you want to kind of expedite that process of getting your eggs back. You can buy pullets, which are chickens that are almost ready to lay, and so they're pretty much around three months, sometimes four months of age and just get them on your feed as quickly as you can. Give them four weeks to change their internal fatty acid profile and then start eating their eggs. So once they're on the healthier diet for four weeks or so, then the linoleic acid content has been shown to drop. So then that way you can have eggs in one month from now. So get the chickens, feed them the diet, wait one month, and then you can start eating their eggs rather than trying to raise them from chicks, which 
you can totally do if you want, but raising chicks requires more infrastructure, it requires a brooder, and then you got to feed them for all those times. So I would definitely recommend exploring the pullet chicken option. Yeah. He says a little longer. He says like six months, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe I'm mistaken. It seemed like six months though. I love geese. I'm actually more fond of the geese than the chickens. They're just, they're better pets. That really, I really have, love them. We just got turkeys and turkeys love you. Chickens don't really love you. It's, it's sad. You love the chicken. The chicken really doesn't love you. You know, yeah, they just you want your food, but yeah, turkeys yeah. seem to like actually want your company. So it, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you'll get some geese someday. Yeah, we, I would love to do duck eggs and geese eggs in the future, for sure. Yeah, yeah, they're really good, yeah. So, um, as I was starting to say before we went to, to, to tangent on the light, um, most people would want your eggs. Everyone needs your eggs or yeah. eggs like yours 100% if you hope to get stay, stay healthy or improve your health. Yeah. The problem is, because of the expenses involved and everything that goes into it, your eggs are significantly more expensive, maybe four times as much with shipping. Cause they have to be shipped. Cost I know, there. but you were wrong in that article. You were wrong What's... in that article. I wanted to be like, tisk tisk. Um, okay. So oh, correct. Me. I'm always open for correction. You, you chose one rate shipment, which is an expedited two day shipping. So you went all bougie on it and chose expensive shipping. Um, it, it'll shipping can range from eight bucks to, $20 if you want more expedited shipping, but, but, but I think anyone that understands a startup business, when you are small, costs are very high. As we're able to scale in a way that makes sense for the land, makes sense for the animals and makes sense for us, our input costs will go down and we will be able to lower the price. And I am actively working towards that because yeah. I am not going to stop in my pursuit of changing the food system. It is what I was put on this earth to do. And they need, this earth needs you. This hundred percent, this earth needs you. No question yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, I, so, I, I, so as, as we scale, which we are making steps behind the scenes to scale. And the way that we're going to do that is bring in more partner farms mm -hmm. and I will bring our feed to them. That way, no one is running a confinement operation. I don't want to have 10,000 chickens at my farm. That doesn't make any sense. That's a confinement operation. And so we will have work. more partner farms. And then that will allow us to scale. And we can reduce our input costs and lower costs across the board for everyone. Um, yeah. It's just as a startup business, costs are high. Our feed is very expensive. But I am working with the guy that's making our feed to to get that cost lower and lower over time. And We've got some really cool steps that we've made just this past week. Be, so that's good. Oh, so that's, Andy, you're, you're doing the best you can. But yeah, the yeah. eggs are middle. So instead of four times, it might be three times as high as shipping, but it's still high. Yeah. And it's going to be unaffordable for a lot of people. Uh, but and, and even more practically, the number, the volume of people are going to reach out to you because we're definitely putting your your contact information for Angel Acres, isn't it? So we've got our egg business, which is Angel Acres Egg Co. And then we've got the food system that we're starting from scratch with milk, cheese, low poofa okay. pork, low poofa chicken. That's Nourish Cooperative. So we've got Angel Acres Egg Co., which is our egg business, and then Nourish Cooperative, which I think is going to be the healthiest food system possible. No vaccines, no antibiotics, no hormones. All the chickens and the pigs in the co-op are fed low PUFA, so their fatty acid composition is tested to be lower. Um, 
we're we're creating a, a food system from the ground up. And so we've got our egg business, Angel Acres, and then the other business, which is just the milk, the dairy, all that other yeah. stuff. That's Nourish Cooperative. And the goal, my intention is support support you in this area because this needs to be done all across the country. And you're doing yeah. it locally. I know your plans are to spread this at a national basis because this needs to be reproduced all over. Everyone needs food. And, and it's way less than 1% of the country has access to this type of food. Yeah. It might be one-tenth of 1%. And so, the, Yeah, if that. I think you're right. I think that's right. I mean, it's just one in a thousand people have yeah. access to this. So the, the, the demand is going to be huge. And I'm confident, you know, if you happen to get this newsletter early or this article, you, you'll be, you could go to lick and you, go to the list and sign up. And do you, you, you at the, even before this goes out, you still have a waiting list, right? You can't even sell it to people. Well, we are, we added, um, my good friend is now a partner farm. And so we have now okay, have no, one no, partner no, farm. You, okay. Added. And the part, more partner farms are coming. So you'll be able to ship yeah. at some point. So but you can right sign now, up for the, sign up for the wait list and you'll get an email notified when the eggs are ready, but nourish cooperative. We're, we're ready to, sh we ship to all 50 States. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, you know, I'm confident that some the food she's, that Ashley's producing in her farm systems are some of the best in the United States. No question. Really, really high quality. Ideally you can do it yourself. That's what I'm doing here in Florida. Uh, but it's going to be a while. It's going to take me three more months before I get my, 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 uh, my eggs produced from the chickens that I acquire. Uh, I'm going to make sure that the farm that is feeding the bugs makes sure, I, I believe they're likely getting fruit. I'll have to make, I do not know that, but that, that is the key. They have to have carbohydrates. And if they don't, they will know that real shortly. I didn't realize that was, might be the, the fit, the, the weak link in their armor. We don't, we don't want keto diet chickens. No, no, I get it. Believe me. I don't, all I need is to be told once. That's it. I get it. This is less than ideal <laughs> for so many different respects. So, uh, but I do believe there's an opportunity for you and most of the other farmers in the whole U.S. because Florida isn't, you know, certain places in California probably can do this too, but we can get the bugs year round. That's not an issue with no extra additional cost. But I think there's a, it's going to make sense once you have the capital flowing in to invest in some greenhouses to, yeah. to make sure you have live grass growing and bugs, but also most likely it's going to involve some geothermal energy production that you can pump. It, it's not t terribly expensive because you're it, essentially the, the only capital required is to invest in the system, like the furnace, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the, the actual production of the energy, it's in the earth. You're going to basically pump up groundwater and yeah. circulate it in tubes uh, in the geothermal format. So you'll keep the ground from freezing. Yeah. And, and the only, only an energy investment on your end would be to run the pump. And you might even be able to do that off a of solar. I don't know. But it's yeah. going to be relatively minor. It's just running a pump. You're not, you're not burning fuel to create energy. You're using right. the energy that's already there in the earth. So right. what does that sound? Does that sound like something you'd be open to? Oh, absolutely. That is the long-term goal. The only factor that we have to consider is we have to work with Mother Nature. And Mother mm -hmm. Nature is much stronger, is much smarter than us. We will never fully understand her, but we do know some certain principles. Mm -hmm. And rest is a very important principle of Mother Nature. She needs adequate rest because if we're just if we just have chickens on the same plot over and over and over, there won't be bugs much longer. Because yeah, the yeah, more yeah. life we take out of the soil, it's not going to be able to give okay, back. So, so here's 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 the strategy then. It's going to be more capital intensive. You have a mobile greenhouse that you move yeah. around, very similar to like the coops. 
and then you have plumbing design so that the well is built and that you can pump out of the, in the pump. The only thing is that you can divert it to whatever zone you have the greenhouse over. Yeah. Actually, that that may be less than ideal because the ground's going to freeze and it'll take a long time to unfreeze it. I don't know. There's a lot of logistics need to be filled up, but the, but the potential is there. I agree. Oh, yeah. You can't you, well, you can't abuse, you can't abuse a single plot of land. It'll it'll, it'll it will stop working. We, I mean, we barely have winters anymore. They're very mild. And so essentially this would just need to be a solution for about two months. And then all yeah. the rest of the months of the year, just making sure that the mobile coop is moved. So yeah, mobile yeah. pasture raised poultry. And then in the winter months, there's this greenhouse with like grasses and abundant soil underneath. And then during the summer months, that greenhouse is rested. That's not used in the summer okay. months. So let me run something by you because I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I've been a chicken farmer for like three years now, maybe about three years, maybe four. I, I don't You've recall. You've been a chicken started. farmer longer than me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but you helped me, helped me quite a bit. So, and you're, you do this full time. It's just a, 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 a necessary hobby for me because I didn't know how to get healthy eggs and I, I was not going to eat a linoleic acid egg. There's no, no. way I was going to eat a commercial egg. There's that wasn't yeah. happening on my watch. So I'm thinking from what you're saying that the idea would be able to build a coop. I'm going to probably have uh, probably a dozen chickens. I think it feels about right. I might have, might reflect maybe down to 10 and put them in a coop that is mobile. Okay. Mobile. Yep. I need to know the dimensions of that coop yep. and then move it around. But also it's going to have an electric fence around. Actually, that might be a problem for the chickens. No, maybe put it out. So the electric fence is around there for the predators. Yep. So, because otherwise they'll come and dig under there. And, and if the, if the coop, you know, if, if, the, if they, if they, um, cause we, these, these foxes are just atrocious. They just get in there. You, it's hard to get them out. But uh, do you think that would be sufficient to put the electric fence around and it's mobile so you can move it? Move the so hear me fence. out. Yeah. So a small chicken coop, let's just assume it's a mini greenhouse style. And then mm -hmm. on the back end, you've got a door where they can go out. And then on the back end, put a fencing around it in like a square attached to the coop. So then all you have to do is just move the coop and it moves the fence with it. Okay. I, 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 maybe if you can draw it out for me or something, you yeah. can do that. But is it, or but you, is can it, a, you can get a guard dog. A guard dog would work? Our, we, have, we don't have any predator problems. Our guard dog take, takes care of all of it. That's not, but then you have to feed the yard dog, but that's probably, that's easier to do. And then you got to oh, feed meat scraps. Yeah. I, I don't eat much meat. I mean, I eat meat, but not much. I only eat about three ounces a day. Yeah. And, and there's no scraps. There's zero scraps. Um, all right. That's another option. That might be easier than the fence. Yeah. How big does the dog have to be to, to qualify as a predator dog? Uh, just got to get a specific breed. So like great Pyrenees, Anatolian shepherd, and you got to bond the dog or introduce the bond to the young chicken at an early age so that they don't eat the chicken. Oh yeah. So you got to time yeah. that, time that appropriately. So you have to but buy doing, the puppy? You buy a puppy? What, yeah. Yeah. And do you but always doing leave the fence, doing the fence around the coop and just making sure that you move that every day and it's electrified. That's going to take care of most of your chicken problems, especially if you have like one of those automatic doors that is sensitive to the light and goes up and down and you make sure that the chickens are trained to go inside their coop. You'll be fine. Okay. So I, I will call you for more details. Is, are you okay with that to figure yeah. that out? I yeah. really want to implement this. And I think 
are there systems available that have actually created these de- these types of coops? I mean, my my handyman could easily make it, but oh, I'm wondering. your handyman will be able to make it very. It's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll be good. All right. All right. Well, this is good. So maybe that that could be part of the process is the because your passion is to f- help create healthy food solutions. So as part of that, obviously you're producing it for those who want, you know, as most people aren't going to be able to commit the time, effort and resources to do this themselves. But for those who can, I think it would expand the reach of your goal to provide them with the instructions to produce it locally. So I, I do not disagree that at all. I, I know you consider me an expert, but I believe that an expert has at least five years of experience under them. Mm-hmm. I want a little bit more time to fine tune everything. And once I've, once I can find time, we're limited okay. to a certain number of hours per day. Yeah, yeah, Once course. I find I time. That. Why don't we have to sleep? I know. I know. I know. It sucks. Oh, I got to share something with you that you may not realize because you're, we're, both, we're both on the same frequency with respect to optimizing our health. Once you optimize your biology through the, through the process that we described in this interview, your requirement for sleep decreases. It goes down to four to six hours, four to oh, six wow. hours. Six hours you want to shoot for, but you can comfortably go down to four, not, you know, if circumstances require, like you have, you know, whatever reason, and then maybe have five or six, maybe even seven. Like the last two nights or two nights before last night, I had less than seven hours between two nights. So it was like three and a half hours a night of sleep. And that's pushing a little too much. You never really want to go below four unless you just have to. But then last night I slept seven. And I feel great. And the, and there's one of the principles you can determine if you, I mean, it's hard to know if you're optimized biology. I mean, you can use your fasting insulin level. If it's below three, it's probably a good clue. But when you go, when you go into that territory, because you're probably getting close to seven or eight, which is recommended. And that's true. If you don't have optimized biology, you need seven or eight hours of sleep. It won't work. You need seven or eight. But if you are healthy, you can get by with four to six. So that, that, that might save you a little time. Because you, you optimize your biology, you get to benefit from it, uh, and you can do more things. Oh, so, and, but, oh you, here's a, here, let me give you the caveat. The caution is that if you notice you're yawning a lot during the t- daytime or you're just not mentally sharp, that's a clue. That's feedback your body's given you that you didn't sleep enough that night. But if you're going to push your hours awake, making mm-hmm. sure that once the sun goes down, you have adequate light in the room because then if you're staying awake in darkness, that's increasing your stress hormones. Well, how about the revision of this? Because what I do is after sunset, I'm in red light. That's it. That's, that's, that's great. It's just would be different if you're sitting in darkness. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh yeah. No, no, you've got to have light. It's just, you just don't want any blue frequencies after sunset and ideally before sunrise but I'm not as rigid about the sunrise. I mean, if I'm up and walking, I don't mind blue light in the morning. I, yeah. I don't want blue light at night before I go to sleep because I've already slept. Yeah. Yeah. And blue light's well, going to impair melatonin production. The position of the light is very important at night. You want the mm-hmm. light below you because your photoreceptors in your eyes are looking up. And so you want mm-hmm. the light below you. Yeah. But if you got red light, it's in the ceiling, it's three watts. There's no, yeah, fruit. not absolutely. A big deal. And it's no flicker. I got no flicker yeah. red light bulbs in yeah. three watts. So I yeah. don't think it's a big issue. If you, you're yeah. not staring at the light, you know, it's just yeah. enough to see and enough to, to, to fix your body, fool your body. So, yeah, no, back to the point of like helping people produce food for themselves. hundred percent. That is a passion that I want to get to one day. 
I'm just not at the position right now. I think I need a little bit more experience and I also don't have time right now. I building yeah, yeah. nourish and angel acres takes up so much time. And then we have our strong sisters as well down the line. Am I going to get there? Absolutely. I, that would be well, so well, enjoyable. We'll definitely collaborate because you know, your information needs to be shared and I'm happy to promote your work so that you can have the funds to do your mission because you have a very noble mission. Food is absolutely a central, central requirement and you're producing some of the healthiest foods that humans require. The only part you're not getting is the fruit, but that that's done. That's an easy part of the, the hard part of the equation is the animal. Yeah. And the few reasons we discussed that is really hard. Yeah. So uh, congratulations on being such a pioneer, trusting yourself and having the courage and the bravery to do what you're doing. So thank you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate other people who understand the connection between the two because what your food ate is very important. Absolutely. Yeah, you got it. That's that's your advantage. And I really believe why you've reached expert status way before anyone else is because you, you have the fundamental principle that they are lacking. Now, you don't have the, the technical details down, you know, that are necessary, but you'll get there in another year or two. Yeah. You'll be there. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, keep it up the good work. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. McCullough. Appreciate you All having right. me on. All right. Bye now.